Any redistribution or reproduction of any part or all of the contents in any form is prohibited, except, ah, uh, who the hell are we kidding? Distribute it, share it, put it in your podcast, broadcast it, or put it on social media. Just give credit where credit's due. Welcome into another episode of We're Talking Today. Craig Melanson and Colin Lacey of the Georgia Southern Sports Network. How are you this morning, Colin? I'm good, Craig. How are you? I'm doing well. It's, uh, you know, they, they told us we weren't supposed to have rain today, but man, it looks dark outside at, at 9.07 a.m. Uh, and I don't think we're supposed to have much rain, but it, uh, and we've got a nice feel, but I think the humidity is going to be up for our game on, uh, tomorrow night so but it rained all week here last week so we just kind of sent it to you oh nice thank you i think uh, well i'm gonna have to go look at that in a little bit what when we get to the the cajuns game hosting app state let's fall back to last thursday uh coastal carolina arkansas state at arkansas state um I think we thought it it, it is what we thought it was going to be i don't think arkansas state can stop anybody and uh and, and they've got a little bit of an offense, but Coastal is definitely the better team there. Yeah, no doubt. I mean, when you start off the ball game with Grayson McCall find that Isaiah likely right over the middle and it goes 99 yards to the house, I think that was kind of in a microcosm of what that game was going to be. But 52-20, the lowest point scored in total is 10 with Coastal in the first quarter, and then it was 14 all the way through. I, I think it's kind of like we talked about. It's exactly what we thought it was going to be. Um, even though Arkansas stayed at home, it was a uh, it was a runaway pretty quick. Do you think the Butch Butch uh, Jones experiments? It's, it's Jones, right? For some reason, yeah. I want. Yeah, uh, I won't. I won't call it an experiment. I'm sorry. It's his first year, but I mean, and I know he'll get some transfers in there, get some guys in there, get his own recruits. But man. Um, you kind of see why uh, their coach moved on. Uh, not a whole lot in the cupboard. No, and I, really and truly, I think he's already got a number of transfers in, especially on the defensive line. Three of the four starters are transfers. And so you're seeing some guys get into that program, and I think they've got the talent. It's out of They're trying to find what is the right 11 on both sides of the ball, but especially on defense which is the right 11 and which spot. And so I think you're seeing a lot of changing, trying to figure out who goes where. And when they get it figured out, it's going to be a defense that's pretty good. They've got the talent. They've got the star power. But it's just a matter of trying to find who fits where. And I think once they figure that out, it's going to look a lot better. It's just a matter of when that happens. But I think Butch Jones definitely has them turned in the right direction, even though it's 1-5 and 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 0-2 in league play. What about the quarterback situation? You think you see that going forward is the same two quarterbacks, uh, two quarterback system, 41 attempts between the two of them. I mean, I know Hatcher took the majority of the, uh, of the, uh, the uh, passing attempts there, but still. Yeah. I, it's weird. And I think a lot more will come out of Jones throw today, but I saw late in the second half when Lane Hatcher had taken much of the snaps in the second half that you saw a shot of James Blackman in street clothes and had his right arm in a sling on the sideline. So I wonder if it was planned to go that way or if it was going to be Blackman's until he couldn't and then he was injured. 
Um, and, and that's what forced Lane Hatcher in. So okay. I don't know if it was necessarily designed as a two quarterback system. Uh, didn't see the first part of the game because that was when our coaches show was going on last week. But uh, I, it'll be interesting to see how Blackman's able to bounce back from the injury if it's an issue going forward. What about on the running back position there? I mean, I'm, I'm looking, you know, 17 attempts as a team is not a lot. And, and the most attempts you have is the guy with six carries. Uh, it's, I mean, I don't, yeah, I think if you want to slow, if you want to slow Coastal Carolina down, you got to be able to run the ball. I mean, you're not going to, I don't think many teams are going to win in a shootout against them. No. So. No, Arc State's running attack has been kind of interesting. Marcel Murray is probably their best running back by pure skill, but he's been hurt the first part of the year. Okay. Um, I'm looking at the box score. He only got three carries for 29 yards in that one. Lincoln Perry is a guy that is a young guy. He had their only rushing touchdown of the day. So their running back room has been hit by injury a little bit. And then a lot like to talk about on defense, trying to figure out who's the guy that's going to kind of take the bull by the horns. Well, I'll be interested to see later on as the Cajuns face them, uh, what, what my man, uh, Dave breaks down there. I'd like to know what's going on with the offensive line as well. So, but I said, Arkansas state, coastal Carolina, pretty much what we expected. Coastal looks solid all the way across and there's not much you can do there. Uh, a game that I found very interesting and in, in which was, um, which is your next opponent, which, uh, in, in, in South Carolina, South Carolina, South Alabama, uh, <laughs> They went to Texas State, and Texas State pulled off the victory there. Any any surprise? Yeah, I mean, it took four overtimes, and that one was kind of getting into the late stages of overtime whenever it was kind of – our game was getting finished, so we got to watch overtime. And South Alabama defense, for whatever reason, couldn't stop Texas State, especially the rushing. They rushed for 213 yards, and it's – not necessarily that one guy went off again. You look at Hill, Jeter, McBride even had 57 yards. All of those guys had over 50 yards apiece. But it's a matter of kind of sharing the wealth of them. McBride through the air for Texas State, 187 yards, two touchdowns. And it's weird that you see three interceptions by South Alabama and you lose in overtime. But at the end of the day, they lost two fumbles, so they're only plus one or rather plus two. No, they were even because they had an interception as well. So they were even in turnover battle. So it's, I think South Alabama is still trying to figure out what exactly they are under their first year head coach, Kane Womack. But uh, it'll be interesting to see what happens this week. Yeah. I mean, if you, if you look at strictly by the numbers, South Alabama, 140 yards rushing, uh, 189 yards passing, but you know, uh, I don't remember where the interceptions came into play and you would think, three interceptions by McBride on, on Texas state's end, you'd think that would, that would, that would offset anything that Texas state's doing. Um, kind of saw that in the saints in the saints game yesterday, you know, uh, you know, uh, was it yesterday? Yeah. Gosh, it seems like forever ago, the saints played. Uh, but it, it's, it, it's crazy how this game has become. Winston throws an interception, then he throws a, a 70 something yard bomb. And then he throws another, uh, it loses a fumble and then, but we're not here to talk about the saints. Cause then you'll probably get into the Falcons and I'm gonna have to tell you how the Falcons suck, but, uh, and I'd tell you, you're right. 
They won yesterday, though. though. I got, they had to go to London to do it, but they won. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> so, but, but, but to your point, though, on Texas State, I think, I, uh, you know, four guys rushing the ball, three of them over 50 yards rushing, but pretty well spread out there with 11, 10, 15, 11. Has that, is that what we've seen from Texas State all year? Do you remember? Uh, I'm not remembering any balance like that. Yeah, I mean, I think that's kind of what you've seen so far from Texas State. Um, I mean, Dick Spavadol, I really like and really like the direction he's got that Texas State program going. And we talked about it the first two weeks of the season that we thought this was a Texas State team that was kind of turning the corner and trying to start to fight for the top of that Western division. But I think we've seen the last couple of weeks there's still work to do in San Marcos. But I think this kind of shows you what Texas State could be as being a contender in the west side of the Sunbelt Conference. And it's a South Alabama team that we thought was really turning the corner. I mean, they come in and hang tough against Louisiana two weeks ago, 20 to 18, I think the final score was. Yep. And so they're three and one coming in. And you're thinking, okay, this is a South Alabama team that has really turned it around. And we've talked about how ahead of schedule they've been so far this year. But then I don't know if this is a setback from the loss to Texas State or if it's just that Texas State was not what we've seen in the last couple of weeks and it's more of what we saw against South Al. Well, I think I think two things there for me. One was, uh, and I believe you had told me this, uh, the game that they had lost against Incarnate Ward, they had uh, a lot of guys out for COVID protocol. And I think the next week when they went up, went up north to play a MAC team, they also had some guys out. But at the same time, we're seeing what it what it's all about. And people want to talk about the Cajuns struggle on the uh, against South Alabama, which we Cajuns did. They definitely did. Yeah. But it is hard to win on the road. And you see that again. That's a two point victory. For Texas State at home, so uh, yeah, and you also look at South Alabama without without their top uh, running back last week and Kareem Walker, so didn't have him. I think he got banged up against you guys a little bit yep. the week prior, and so didn't have him at all. You're leaning on a guy, AJ Phillips, who was making his first career start, first action of the season, to kind of carry the load, but it was a uh, little bit too daunting of a task. Yeah, I, I watched parts of this game, had it on while I had y'all game on, I believe. It was very similar uh, and just rough day, rough day for South Alabama. Um, this game I found a little interesting, ULM uh, uh, in Tro uh, nah, Georgia State. Um, I was a little shocked to see Georgia State come out there in the second quarter and just rattle off some numbers there. I mean – is this a is Georgia State starting to turn the corner? I, I and let's let's face it, ULM's not a good football team right now. They've had some good moments, but they're yeah. not a good football team. And part of that is because their quarterback getting hurt uh, and has not come back yet. So uh, I'll give them a little bit of a break. Yeah, and I don't really know what to think of Georgia State right now. I mean. If you would have told me that Georgia State would have hung 55, even on ULM, I'd have told you you were crazy a week ago. But it's still trying to figure out who the quarterback's going to be. Both quarterbacks played in Quad Brown and Darren Granger, who stepped up this year, and Granger went off 18 of 25 for 230 yards and four touchdowns. That is not at all what you expect. And then you've got two different guys with over 80 yards rushing for 
Georgia State, and they scored four times on the ground, which doesn't happen in Atlanta. And so, and Darren Granger being one of those guys of trying to figure out what this offense is, I'd be shocked if anybody but Darren Granger took the first snap this coming week for Georgia State. But it's uh, definitely trying to figure out what the what the offense looks like for Georgia State. Well, you know, again, their balanced running attack with three guys uh, over 67 yards and uh, 12 carry over 12, uh, 12 carries a piece. So nice balanced attack by them. But again, it's ULM. I'm not going to go all crazy on Georgia State right now uh, and, and tell you how I love them, how they're up and coming yet, because quite frankly, we, we don't know who they are or what they are. And I don't think they know who they are or what they are. No. Well, the final game of uh, this this weekend, Georgia Southern at Troy, once again, going on the road. We talked about it going on the road. It's tough. Uh, um, what was going on there? Talk to me. I mean, the, the, the slow start by uh, Georgia Southern came back a little bit in the second half. I was a little surprised in the second half throwing the ball so much, but your thoughts on the game there. That's that's a game, obviously, you were able to watch and not lot, got to see a lot of. It, the first half was not by any stretch of the imagination, anything that Georgia Southern wanted. You're down 17-3 to three at half. You had 17 yards of rushing at halftime. And for a Georgia Southern team that if you have 17 yards of rushing, you're probably not in a good spot in the game at halftime. But a huge – huge tip of the cap of what this team was able to do to come out in the second half and really and truly wasn't a whole lot of schematic adjustments. It was just going out and actually playing the game. It, it seemed like Georgia Southern was a little bit skittish in the first half um, and then come out in the second half and you score 14 points within the, span, within the span of 90 seconds and you're right back in this ball game. Georgia Southern's able to tie it up at 24 when you've got two field goals by Alex Rayner in the fourth quarter. But Justin Tomlin really kind of took the bull by the horns in this game, 15 of 22, passing 210 yards, did have three interceptions. Two of those were late in the fourth quarter that helped Troy seal the deal. But Georgia Southern was able to not necessarily do what they wanted, but were able to do a lot more with the passing game than you initially would have thought a Georgia Southern team do, especially against the good defense that Troy is. And that takes nothing away from Troy's defense because that is one of the fastest defense I think I've seen since Georgia Southern joined the Sun Belt. And they're all over the place. Our sideline reporter, Russ Brown, said at times it looked like there were 13, 14 defenders out there for Troy. And he was trying to figure out if the safeties were just crashing so hard and that's why Georgia Southern couldn't run. I'm like, no, they're seven yards off the ball. They just get there. And so just the whole team speed was pretty impressive for Troy. You know what Carlton Marshall is, All-American his last couple of years. But T.J. Harris is somebody that absolutely hates Georgia Southern, I'm convinced, because he had two tackles for a loss a year ago, had a fumble recovery the year before. He goes out, and it seemed like he was in on every play, had two sacks, two and a half tackles for loss, and he was just had Georgia Southern's number yesterday – or on Saturday, rather. But it, the real kind of red flag for Georgia Southern was the inability to run the ball. You finished with just 82 yards of total rushing on the day. Your leading rusher is Gerald Green, who had 33 yards, and that's just not a recipe for success for Georgia Southern. Yeah, nearly 40 attempts on that, uh, 38 attempts. 
that 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 was kind of a little bit shocking to me, and I can understand why the team was uh, felt felt the need to throw the ball towards the end. But at the same time, you were down three, and I thought it I, I thought it was, in my opinion, a little too early. And I and I, I hate to use the word panic because I don't think teams or coaches panic in the sense of ooh we've got we've got to go down and score we got to go down and score, you know. Um, I, I, th- I think your, your coach thought that's what was best, uh, to do at that point because you hadn't been able to run the ball. So, yeah. um, uh, I'm just looking around the league right now. Are right, you guys had three interceptions? Um, actually the Georgia state game didn't have any, um, there were four in the, in, in the, uh, in the Texas state, South Alabama game. And, and, and this one, uh, there was only one by Arkansas State. But do you, do you think interceptions are up more this year? Or is it just something because I'm looking at statistics a little bit more now when we break kind of talk about these games? Is it you th- do, are you seeing that or is it just something that I'm seeing because I'm not used to this? No, I think it's because you've got a couple of different philosophies coming into the league. You've got and like this Troy team. It's a Troy team that usually – is a really good running team, but they're having to throw the ball because they haven't gotten their running game going. Arkansas State is usually a really good running team. They're having to throw it either out of necessity or because that's what Butch Jones wants to do. Um, And South Alabama, a lot of the same. You're throwing the ball a lot more. And I think it's kind of the way college football is going more towards the RPO spread type deal than rather just the power running game that you've seen in years past. And so I think it's just kind of a – change of mentality in the league you've got a lot more passing offenses that are trying to get more and more balls in the air so that's why you're seeing more interceptions because there's more passing attempts okay fair enough um whether that's right or not i have no idea yeah i i hear you i hear you i mean it like i said it's sometimes it's weird i think we see trends in something that aren't really necessarily there it would be interesting to go back and look overall. I just feel like, and I don't know, maybe I, I, I'm seeing a lot more interceptions this year, in my opinion. But again, that could, that that's the mind is a, a wonderful thing to waste. So I mean, it, 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 you don't you see what you want to see a lot of times. So it's like seeing a face in a cloud. Your mind is is is. Uh, your brain is, is, is programmed to kind of, to see shapes and forms. So I, I think sometimes it can be a self-fulfilling pro- pro- prophecy as well. And that's not easy for me to say those two words. So uh, quickly though, uh, rundown of the standings. We're, we're two games in now. We've got uh, another game tomorrow night that, that'll uh, start the week out. But Coastal Carolina, App State, 2-0, 1-0, Troy, 1-1, Georgia State, 1-1, Georgia Southern, 1-2. Anything surprising there at all? Not necessarily. Um, kind of surprised a little bit that South Alabama is 0-2, um, but I think they're going to end up being middle, maybe the top half of the Western Division. Um, and it's still, without a doubt, Louisiana's to – run away with if they want it. Um, Texas State, and again, it's only 1-0, but second in the West, that's a little bit surprising. Again, thought it was going to take another year or so under Coach Spavadol. I don't know that there's a whole lot of 
shock in the Eastern Division because Coastal Carolina, you knew was going to be at the top. Appalachian State, you knew was going to be trying to rival Coastal Carolina for the top. And then Troy, Georgia State, and Georgia Southern, everybody kind of picked to be somewhere in the middle of that three, four, five, and where it was going to end, there wasn't going to be a whole lot of discrepancy between. And that's kind of what you've seen so far. Yep. I, I agree with you. Too. I don't think anything's shocking except for the South Alabama being 0 and 2. Uh, I think everything, well, I, I will say I, it's a little shocking that ULM is 1 and 2. Uh, uh, I really. Yeah. I really did not see them. I, I thought the only game they, they would win would be uh, would be the uh, Jackson State game. But um, some inspired play there against Troy. So uh, uh, Troy could be up there at 2-0 with the rest of them. So, all right, well, let's take our break. You've been listening. We're talking with Craig Malosson and Colin Lacey of the Georgia Southern Sports Network. Network. We will be right back after this short message. Welcome back into We're Talking Today. Craig Malonso and Colin Lacey of the Georgia Southern Sports Network. Colin, we always take the first half and, and look at the game's pass. Let's look ahead. Big game Tuesday night for my Cajuns. Um, and I think we talked about this a little bit off the air. Scares the bejesus out of me right now. Uh, App State, I think, is a team that's rolling. The Cajuns have not showed, I don't know. I mean, I, I, I'm not going to say haven't showed anything, but at the same time, Cajuns have not played a complete game. The Cajuns have not rolled like they that like they should have in in some of their games. Um, what's your thoughts on the game as an outsider looking in? I know you'll be tuned in. Um, talk to me. Anything you see there? Give me hope. <laughs> no, I mean it's kind of like you talked about. We haven't necessarily seen what the Cajuns can be this year. I mean Georgia Southern Tom to open up conference play. And I think everybody on both sides of the ball would tell you that the Cajuns didn't necessarily play their top brand of football that you expected out of Louisiana. You go into the next week against South Alabama and kind of the same story. You're on the road. It's a little bit different scenario on the day. But I think it was kind of the same thing of you weren't exactly sure if that was what Louisiana was or if they were just playing a little bit off. And you've seen the same guys year after year for Louisiana and head coach Billy Napier being able to do what he does. And so it's kind of surprising. It's odd to say a surprising 4-1, and 2-0 and in conference play. But I don't know that you've necessarily seen Louisiana do fully what you expected from Louisiana this year. But you're going to have to have that against Appalachian State on Tuesday night over at Cajun Field. We've talked about Chase Bryce, the transfer into Appalachian State, a quarterback. He's already got over 1,300 yards and eight touchdowns through the year. Nate Noel, they've got a whole stable of running backs, like always. Um, and so it's going to have to be a really good performance by Louisiana, but I know there are some places that have the line at different spots for different teams. I think this is a straight pick I mean, I, I think this is going to be a really good football game. And I think this is going to be a really good football game for the league to show what the brand of Sunbelt football is on a Tuesday night where it's might be the only game in town i think i believe you're correct when i looked at that earlier uh in in, in last week i i want to say we are the only game um it, it's interesting to see though the uh the line like you said oh no uh, well shoot yes the only game yeah and then, only game on tuesday 
And then Thursday, you're uh, South Alabama and, and George Southern out of South Alabama, which we'll get to in a little bit. They have Navy and Memphis at the same time. So, but uh, back to the line, though, I mean, I, I'm shocked. I, I've seen everything from uh, the Cajuns minus one to App State minus three. So, in, in anywhere in between uh, minus two for App State, minus one for App State. So, um, uh, I, I think it's definitely a pick em game. For the Cajuns, I think it's uh, it's not a must win as some people want to put out. In my opinion, I think it's a must win for the program, but not for the season. If that makes sense, I think it's something yeah. the Cajuns have to. They showed last year that they could beat App State in the rain. By all accounts, the weather's supposed to be beautiful. I think it's a must win for the program. It does not derail the Cajuns' hopes for the rest of the season because. Even with a loss, they can still they can still go on to win the West, get in the championship game, win a Sunbelt Conference. But at the same time, a loss guarantee, almost guarantees that they will be on the road at either Coastal or App State for the championship game. Even with a win, if Coastal seems to win, wins out again, the, the Cajuns will be on the road. So... Um, uh, I, I got a feeling if uh, if that case turned up where you're going to Conway on the road for the championship game, I think the Cajuns would would be okay with that to be able to get a little revenge. I think so too. It would. It wouldn't. It w I don't <laughs> think it would hurt any of our feelings. Quite honestly, uh, the COVID chickens there are are, are just they're 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 something else. I mean. I don't know if you got saw their little display after the uh, the Arkansas State game with the with the uh, chainsaw and the uh, the wolf. Yeah, chainsaw and a stuffed wolf. Yeah, and we were talking about it after our game. That it's so weird that they go into all the theatrics because you have to plan that out. Yeah, and you don't just randomly have a chainsaw and a stuffed wolf in the same room, but you've got to plan that out. But it's a team that doesn't necessarily do a whole lot of talking on the field and i guess if you go and beat the crap out of somebody then you can do whatever you want to in your locker room but it uh it's just surprising to me how much you get after the game when you don't get a whole lot of during the game yeah it's one of those things i think you know do what you want to do but you know do it inside your life i don't i don't get the whole idea of, of filming it and posting it but you know, unless it's somebody that's anti that's in there that thinks they shouldn't be doing it, you know, keep it in your locker room, have fun with it if you want to have fun with it. But if you need if you need antics like that to get you fired up, well, we'll see. I'm, I'm, a, I'm I'll reserve judgment till the end of the end of the end of the year. So and I, I think I think I've seen a little bit more of some of their football games uh, made possibly. But I think some of them do tend to talk a lot uh, on the field. And we saw that at their their bowl game that was hosted in Conway last year. Their players uh, in the stands talking shit. So, but hey, you know, it is what it is. But back to back to this game. Um, I think I think the roughest thing for the Cajuns here is the offensive line. We're down we're down four guys. We're not not necessarily. Um, not necessarily all starters, but when you take your 
your right tackle and move them to left tackle. Now you are down two starters because you've got your second string tackle um, playing there. And now you've got your second string uh, guard in there. So um, it, it makes for a different. Now, I, I do think it's different in the sense of it, if they've been able to practice there all week, it makes it for a lot smoother transition as opposed to somebody going down in the game and you can no longer uh, uh, you, you don't practice that position. Someone goes down the game. Now all of a sudden you're moving them over. If that makes sense. Yeah. Yeah, so, no, no doubt. So I think, I think it's better. Cajuns have had 10 days now, uh, to look to see what's going on. So, um, I, I'm not, I, this is one game I'm not going to talk smack back about because I don't know what's going to happen. Um, I, I, I do think the Cajuns handle their business. I will say that. Now, whether that's a one-point win or a two-point win, the one thing that we've learned about Billy Napier is that uh, the team has been able to uh, – the, the team has found ways to win, I guess. And, you know, some people can say, well, you won in South Alabama because they missed a field goal. Well, I could say that, you know, we won in South Alabama – despite missing two field goals and an extra point, we should have never been in that position. So the team team knows how to win. And hopefully that will continue this Tuesday night. I know it's not what our guys that are listening to this wants to hear. They want to hear, they want to hear something else, whether it's uh, going there, but I think our defensive backs, um, I think the play is going to be in the middle that, that will, uh, that'll get this game. It's going to be linebacker play. Can we stop the running game? Can, can we stop them from going downfield? Can we get their uh, get their backs out of rhythm? I think the defensive backs are there and the uh, the defensive line is there. So to me, the two 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 spots that we need to look at are offensive line and um, and linebacker position. So I'm off my rant. Now moving on uh, to Troy. Uh, I'm sorry. Georgia Southern at South Alabama. You guys just got back from a trip to, uh, to Alabama. Uh, and now you're headed back there on a Thursday night. Was there any thought given at all to the team to stay in there for, for the week? I didn't, I, I keep forgetting, you know, I, I know that how long it is for me to get to Georgia Southern and Statesboro. And I kind of forget that South Alabama and Troy are kind of in between the two of us, not quite in the team, a little further drive for y'all, but, um, What's going to happen there? What's your thoughts? It's going to be it's going to be fun for us. First time we get to see the new stadium down in Mobile, but it's a South Alabama team. We talked about it in the first segment. Trying to figure out is it the South Al that started three and zero, or is it South Al that just lost in four overtimes to Texas State? It looks like they will get their running back Kareem or Kareem Walker back, and so you've got four different guys that can run the ball for South Alabama, but Bentley has come in, transferred in from Utah, and has really done a good job at quarterback, taking over for first-year head coach Kane Womack. But being able to see what this major Applewhite offense looks like at South Alabama is going to be uh, be kind of interesting. And for Georgia Southern, it's pretty simple. You've got to be able to figure out what your running was and what caused them at Troy, being able to kind of get those back on track and be able to run the football against South Alabama because that's been your bread and butter. Georgia Southern has never lost to South Alabama, 7-0 all time. 
and there's been a lot of really good and season-changing games for Georgia Southern against South Alabama. The first game that Georgia Southern ever played in the Sun Belt was against South Alabama at Last Peoples. And so there's a lot of good history between these two. And uh, these, are, these are two teams that historically don't necessarily like each other all that much. Yeah, South Alabama is, is one of those teams that it'll be interesting to see what happens from here on out. I think they do have it. I think, uh, again, like you said, uh, Georgia Southern has to run the ball, have to control the clock, not give them the opportunity because they are – South Alabama, though, is a quick strike team. They have that ability, although they didn't show it exactly against uh, Texas State. So where do you see um, – so you guys, you guys are going to drive over – uh both both the team and how far is that again for you i'm sorry so the team drove to troy that's about five hours from statesboro the team and most of our crew will actually fly to south alabama um so bus down to savannah fly out of savannah to mobile i'll be driving over to mobile because it's only about a six hour drive okay so all the all the stuff we've got to take it's just easier to drive nope i i've been there done that trust me on some of it so, uh, so that game's on Thursday night again. Uh, you got I think Na Navy at Memphis State, I believe. Uh, and Memphis is the only other game, so I'll have my eyes peeled on uh, Georgia Southern. There, I have you, uh, uh, Danny Reed on the call from the Georgia Southern Sports Network, and the rest of your guys and yourself there giving me some uh, giving me some info versus the uh, the ESPN guys. So. Now, I just clicked on the wrong button here, and oh, there I go. ESPNU, interesting. So, all right. Um, Liberty at ULM. <laughs> Man. Mm. Uh, can ULM stop them? Can ULM slow them down? Can Liberty... Can ULM hold them to under 50? Can ULM score? What 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 do you see there? I, I hope to D all of the above, but I don't know that it's going to happen. I mean, the line right now, looking at Liberty at 32-point favorite. Liberty's 5-1, and one, ULM's 2-3. and three. As much as I dislike Liberty after the Cure Bowl a couple of years ago where Georgia Southern saw them, I – I don't know that there's a way that ULM is able to stop Liberty, and I don't know that there's a way that ULM is able to do what they need to offensively against Liberty. I mean, look, you look at Malik Willis, the quarterback for Liberty, I saw on a game the other night, it actually may have been one of the Sunbelt games, that they had listed the top quarterbacks and Mel Kuyper's draft projection, and Malik Willis from Liberty was at the top of it. And really? I had to do a double take to make sure I saw the name, and so, I mean, they've definitely got the guy at the top. He's got over 1,300 yards passing, 13 touchdowns in six games so far. Also leads the team with rushing with almost 500 yards and seven touchdowns rushing. And so he's got gaudy numbers, and he's been able to back it up so far. 59 and a half is over-under. I mean, uh, the, only, the only way I see going under is that if uh, Liberty pulls the starters in the fourth quarter and ULM doesn't score. <laughs> so, yeah. I, I don't know how that's so low, but I guess. Yeah, I, I mean, you look at what Liberty has done this year. They only lost to Syracuse, and the only time they were close to losing another one, Troy held them to the wire, I think 20 to 13, something like that. It was a 
one possession game. So maybe ULM's able to jump out of the a little bit of funk they've been in the last week or so and be able to get back. Gee, uh, you I hope mentioned because so, I'm I'm not a Liberty fan. Yeah, I am not either. Uh, it, it's uh, it's one of those things that uh, like Boise State beating BYU. I was happy about that. Um, I, I'm not a BYU fan necessarily, not necessarily a Boise State fan either. But um, uh, the but the uh, Liberty game against Syracuse, I believe Liberty missed a field goal at the end of the game. Did they not? Yeah, that sounds right. So. All right, the final game of the week, uh, Troy at Texas State, two teams that we see starting to go in the right direction. Uh, thoughts there? Yeah, I think this is going to be a good game. It's a second straight week for Texas State at home, and so after their tough road stretch at the beginning of the season, get back home. And I think this is the game of trying to figure out which one of these two is actually legit and being able to see what you've got with both of them. I think if Troy's able to go down there, it would be a big win against Texas State to get them up to 2-1 and one in conference play. But I think if you're Texas State, if you're able to knock off Troy too, you start 2-0 and oh in Sunbelt Conference play, and you're also setting yourself up pretty well in the West Division. So I think either one of these two teams has the potential to pull this out, and I think it's going to be a really good game. And I'm glad that the two Sunbelt games on Saturday are going to be spread out a little bit so you can – pick them up both yeah i At agree first part of the ulm game yeah it's one of those things that uh uh a lot of times i like having a sunbelt game on while i'm watching one of the other games or i'm watch i probably watch more sunbelt football than anything else i have watched uh did catch the end of the texas a&m alabama game uh which was uh um uh, kind of an amazing finish, kind of un-Alabama-like in, in, on the defensive side of the ball. Uh, I was a little bit shocked. There was some good college football this week between yep. Arkansas Ole Miss. You yep. had the Red River rivalry with Texas and Oklahoma. Both of those were really good games. Yeah. You had Texas A&M knocking off Alabama. It was some good college football this week. I was uh, I was really pulling for Texas, obviously, because we got beat by them. And, and, and I think that's a good Texas team or can be a good Texas team. Uh, we've also seen where they've just shit the bed totally too. So, um, you know, I, I, and by no means am I going to compare the Cajuns or any other Sunbelt team to a, uh, a big 12 team or an SEC team, but it's, it's nice to see us, uh, Sunbelt being competitive. Um, there was an article out and I, I know this is catching you off guard, but, uh, there was an article out that, that kind of, Conference USA is um, looking to kind of regionalize. They, they've got somebody coming in to talk to them to, uh, uh, to, to present that a regionalized uh, conferences that they should reform Conference USA, the Sun Belt, and the AAC into regional conferences. Have you seen that article at all? I haven't seen it. I've heard the idea, though. Yeah, the idea has been around for a while, but uh, evidently, and I'll tell you where this comes from. Uh, the AAC wants nothing to do with it, and their their spokesman said, "We have no, we have, we don't want, you know, this is nothing for us. We we have no, we we see no value in it to them," which I somewhat agree. But at the same time, yeah. this is Conference USA just scrambling to me and trying to make themselves relevant again, which they haven't been now for a couple years. And 
any of you fans from Louisiana Tech that want to talk shit to us, come on, because quite frankly, the Sun Belt has been spanking your asses now. Yes, the Cajuns haven't beat you in a while, but quite frankly, you're too scared to play. So go screw yourselves, you bunch of North Louisiana rednecks. So I'm sorry. I, I mean, they're, they're, their AD wants to talk crap coming there. Maybe, maybe, uh, maybe the Cajuns should look, should look at joining a better conference. Well, that's sure as hell ain't Conference USA. So, and now, and now he's and ran we took off the care bed. of him in the bowl game down there. Exactly. Uh, so, screw you, bunch of ass backwards hillbillies. So, don't even call. You, you ought to take Louisiana out of your name because there's nothing Louisiana about you up there. So I'm sorry. I just went off there. I will say last year when we were at the uh, New Orleans Bowl and playing Louisiana Tech, I know we had a lot of Sunbelt fans that day. Oh, man, I'm telling you. I wish (laughs) – uh, New Orleans is not the city that I went to high school in anymore, and I would would have loved to have come down for that game, but obvious uh, that whole thing is – I don't know. So – well, all right. I went off on my tangent. I'm, I'm gonna. I'll. Uh, I'll text you that or uh, that that article so you can read about it a little bit. But basically, it's Conference USA going like, "Oh, we're the, the wicked wick of the north that someone threw water on there, and they're melting into oblivion now and obscurity. So they want to make themselves relevant again. And no, you're not relevant. You haven't been relevant in a couple of years. Go back to your little TV deal on Stadium and Yahoo and Twitter and Facebook Live, uh, your football games and your $100,000 per team that you make a year on it and be happy. Just be happy that you're not in the Southland Conference anymore. You know, go on, Louisiana Tech. Just get out of here. You're not, it's not happening. So, all right. I've, I've, that's it. I'm sorry. Greg, this is why I do this podcast. I'm just, I'm sick of them. I'm sick of them. So, but all right, I got, I got to get out of here. I got, my boss called me earlier when I was on here and I'm, I'm, I'm sure he wants to have a conversation about something to see if I'm getting, getting what I need. So, um, but all right, Colin, thank you so much. Appreciate it as always. Um, You've been listening. We're talking with Craig Malasaw and Colin Lacey of the Georgia Southern Sports Network. Colin will be back with us next week to talk more Sunbelt Conference football. Hopefully talk Cajuns victory. Hopefully talk Georgia Southern victory. And can ULM upset Liberty? For this week, we're talking. Thank you for listening.